0: You're now listening to the Sound of Sanity. This sound will continue for the duration of the program. Hey everybody, welcome to Sound of Sanity. I am Nathan, your humble and obedient host. We've got the preachers of the year of Sanity right there. It's Benjamin Solzer. Hello. And Ben. Why don't you introduce the other guy? It's
1: Jacob Mensel, pastor who's a master of sanity. Hey, what's up? Hello.
0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to a little bit of sanity. I want you to clear your minds, close your eyes, picture an ocean, the waves lapping against the shore.
2: Your ship at sea.
0: Gently sinking. (laughs) Gently. You've fallen overboard. <laughs> the ship is sailing away. You're alone.
3: The mer people the building.
0: are taking you down. Down into the depths of, of
1: repressed grief.
0: Darker and darker it gets. <laughs> the cold water <laughs> fills your nostrils. You're drowning. <laughs> a kind of serenity comes over you.
1: <laughs> is this all a metaphor or is it real? <laughs>
0: It's a metaphor. <laughs> You're not really drowning. Oh, okay. How could you be? You're listening to Sound of Sanity. Guys, what dispatches from the world of insanity or the world of sanity do we have today? I know what I want to talk about, but I don't know whether I should start with it or not. I have so many things to talk about. I have three categories of things I want to talk about. Mm. Well, you have so many things, you categorize them? I categorize them. You want to tell <laughs> us what the categories are? <clears throat> Maybe I'll see if my mind fits in okay. Well, well I have
2: a Christian culture category, which is just uh really one target <laughs> that I wanna
0: I think that might be the same target the Yeah, I, I think um, I my goal with this episode is bomb the crap out of that target.
2: Okay. And then I have a pop culture and politics uh category, and then I ha- just have a books and podcasts category. Just some just some little things. I wanted to follow up on uh run the mile you're in with Ryan Hall and a couple other things like that. So Okay, well... Maybe we'll end there, though, because I think it might be fun to just... I've got another new book that I'm reading and some, some other stuff like that. It might be fun to leave people with some some things
0: to... Save the suggestions for the end. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. All right, well, shall we bomb the crap out of the target? Let's bomb them. All right. Bombs away.
1: <whistles> Crash
2: and burn that. All
1: right. Top Gun reference. Mm, I see... Which I would not get. <laughs> before before we go to the article that you want, that,
3: yeah,
2: that I think we're like loaded for bear on. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to set that up with a different article that I found. Sure. Now the Gospel Coalition. This is not an article that they have published themselves. This is an article that they linked to, so they're promoting it. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is from rootedministry.com. dot com. Mm. And it is called Turning Red. Will it be okay if I'm not good enough for my parents? Mm. So, this is a movie review of the new Disney Pixar, Pixar film Turning Red. And this article understands the main conflict of that movie being the question of what if I'm not okay, not good enough for my parents? And it concludes with, well, I'll just read the closing paragraph. But the older I get, the more I hang on to this truth. For those of us in Christ, all that we need, we already have. I'm not good enough, nor will I ever be, but Christ is, and his perfection is what I can claim as my own, not because of what I've done, because of his death on the cross. I hold securely, yada, 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 yada. Mm -hmm. And so, this is a movie, Turning Red is a movie, that points kids to Jesus, because, and points all of us to Jesus, because uh, nobody's good enough. Mm. And it deals with the difficult question, what if I'm not good enough for my parents? Mm. And I I don't know, maybe, maybe it's dumb to lead into, this is not the Gospel Coalition but they did link to it. And I just think it's one more little bit of background for mm-hmm. what we want to hit. Because if you guys don't know, Turning Red is a not so subtle uh, movie about puberty. Mm-hmm. About a woman. The text of the movie is she's getting her period. Mm-hmm. Right. She's turning into a red panda. She's turning into a red animal. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the text is puberty. The text is menstruation. Mm-hmm. The subtext, and you can find a lot of people uh debating about this or talking about it. You can find articles about how this is part of Disney and Pixar Pixar's problem is that this is only the subtext. Mm-hmm. But the subtext is as a lesbian allegory. And so, there are scenes where the lead character is drawn to girls and to dancing with them instead of with boys and things like that. And so, it's a lesbian allegory as mm-hmm. well, or at least debatably an, uh, a lesbian allegory. The fact that it's debatable is unfortunate according to the LGBTQ IAQED mm-hmm. community. The fact that it's, it has any subtlety to it at all. And so, the point of bringing that up is because I think if you should, if you uh, engage in reviewing movies, you should be able to, I don't know. Read them. Read them. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Anyhow, according to Rooted Ministry, actually, it's just, what if I'm not good enough for my parents? Good thing Jesus is.
0: Well, do they, do they deal with it at all? They do. Ad-
2: they do talk about how the film gently addresses the onset of puberty. Okay, good. But it is primarily a story of the generational conflict between parents and children of immigrant families.
0: So um, so here again, I, I just, we say this all the time, but I hate it when Christians, obviously I hate it when Christians don't see subtext. But what I really hate is when the whole world's like, hey, this is the subtext. And Christians are like, do, 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 do. Like when they are like, we are making this movie as an LGBTQ+ allegory and we're like well it must be about puberty in other words it's not like it's hidden it's like a series of symbols that you have to decode they they've they've given us the decoding you don't you don't have to be smart you don't actually have to be able to read subtext you can just read articles in the news where they tell you what their movie means yep and it's just ridiculous that we are that blithe and that blind but anyway go ahead jake
2: so the only reason I wanted to bring that up is because I was on the Gospel Coalition's website looking at really profound articles like this article about how the UNC-Duke basketball rivalry taught me to love other Christians. That's an article there because, you know, we're now one in Christ and so we can, Christ has conquered the dividing line between Duke and North Carolina. Mm, good. Completely trivializing the work of Jesus in the gospel too. Wow. And the unity that we have in Christ. So, I was looking at these things, but I was there to look up the this review that they did of the
1: movie Encanto. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm. Yes.
1: Can I just, sorry, interpose? There is an article on TGC by our favorite writer there, Brett McCracken, mm. on Turning Red. Hashtag Release the McCracken. Oh, did he do one on Turning Red? Mm. He did, and, and he's basically condemns it.
2: Okay. Well, I missed that because I, but I missed it because I scrolled down and it was the third... Around the web link that they link to, and so it's just right there on the front page. Like you don't have to scroll very far, and that's what they—that's what they <coughs> right—that's what they link to. So mm-hmm. McCracken does condemn turning red. Why does mm-hmm. he condemn it though?
1: He condemns it because it's about letting out your inner beast. It's about basically letting the flesh run your life, which is slavery, not freedom. And he says it. He doesn't mention anything about lesbianism, but he does say it's the same ideology that undergirds trans rights for kids. Is in this movie. So, he's pretty... He's good, basically. Yeah. Which, which, good, good which, for Brett. which doesn't surprise Props me. Props to you, Brett. hmm
0: He's more bad when he tries to make a positive point than when he tries to make a neg- When he tries right. to talk about the Christ-like gaze of uh, Terrence Malick or something. That's where yep. he really flies off the rails.
1: Yeah. I mean, here here.
2: Well, I mean... Which is just to say, when he likes something...
0: When he likes something... He's bad. He feels the need to baptize it in a way that's blasphemous and wicked, and I just... we, yeah. we can't. and when he
2: doesn't that. like something, then he can approach it with reasonably clear sight.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, which, which he does.
0: And when he tries to split the difference, he also gives us something like his Tarantino reviews, which were terrible. Yep. But, so he's capable of being bad. I, I would also say maybe Brett has gotten... This is so condescending, but maybe he's wizened a little bit in his in his years. Got a little better. Yeah, maybe he's listened to some podcasts. I mean, if, if somebody released a bunch of episodes that said like, Nathan Albertson stinks. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> you I, might I, listen to them. I, 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 I bet I'd listen to them. <laughs> even if I didn't agree, even if I didn't promote them on social media, I might listen to them. Uh, I don't know. Anyway. Uh, uh, yeah. So,
2: okay. Unhelpful Advice in Turning Red by Brett McCracken is on, you have to scroll down a bit, but it's it's right there on the, on the homepage. So, there you go. Cool. Good job on that, Brett. Yes. That yep. job, editors, on linking to this other article.
0: Which Brett McCracken <laughs> is what, like one of the One of the editors. editors. <laughs> <laughs> it's
2: it's, so it's probably, I mean, it's like, oh no, people will be sad and upset that we had a negative one about yeah. where can we find a positive positive?
0: Well, one? they're a coalition, Jake. They represent many points of view. Mere Christianity
2: is... Is, is that right? Who do they represent in the review on Encanto, Encanto I wonder?
0: That's a great question, actually. <laughs> <laughs> who do they represent? Nobody, really. <laughs> because I think most people just like Encanto if they like it, or if they're a Christian who doesn't like it for certain reasons, or a pagan who doesn't, then they don't like it. But this person, as we'll get to, feels the need to really baptize Encanto, oh
2: which goodness. is just...
0: And by the way, one other piece of context for this article, it came out the same week that all the footage got leaked from what was it a shareholders meeting or something? <laughs> yep. Where they were just like, we want to explicitly pursue an LGBT <laughs> agenda. So, so in the last couple
2: of weeks, there's been some kind of Disney cruise molestation cover up that you can go read about. Disney has leaked, and I I think when Disney in a shareholders meeting leaks something uh, about their agenda in their attempts to push a a trans lgbtq agenda it's intentional they're 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 signaling
0: well when you think about how good they are actually at keeping secrets when they want to yeah they just didn't get out because they didn't want it to get out and and even the things where like we already we knew maguire and garfield were going to be in it of course we did. That was the whole hype that movie made a gazillion dollars yep. because they played with the idea of are they or are they not going to be in there. It was all very intentional. Yeah,
2: so you have the opposition to mm-hmm. to to the public opposition of Disney and the fight with that they've engaged with Ron DeSantis about this bill in Florida that prohibits teachers from teaching sex education to like kids 8 and under, I think it is, which is we've labeled in the the media's label it the don't say gay bill because what they want to do is cast it as a stifling trans and, and and gay and lgbtq why why gay i don't know because it rhymes i don't know why the why the
0: boys get the privilege here but it's a, it is a masterful piece of branding
2: but it is yeah so don't say gay and it's hard to like even pull anything but that because they've done a really good job of making it that but what it really is is just a little bit of legislation that says I don't know, maybe before third grade, parents ought to be the ones talking to their kids and teachers shouldn't be talking to their kids and introducing sex ed or anything like
0: that. Of any type, by the way. Of any it's, type. it's not, don't talk to my kids about trans. It's, hey, let me introduce my kids to sexuality, generally speaking.
2: Yeah. So, Disney opposes this. And so, there's... The, the, real whole, story, the, whole the
0: CEO initial, the new CEO, I forget what his name is. Chapek. Chapek. He said he wasn't going to comment on it. And then he had to walk that back in like 24 hours because...
2: <laughs> and then it kept walking back. And then we had these leaks from this uh, shareholders meeting. And then we had the the thing about the cruise molestation cover up. And then we had all in the context of this. And we just had this discussion of Pixar has a problem. Mm-hmm. They can't go explicit enough with their gay text in their mainstream films. They can only do uh little shorts mm-hmm. that are that have text and then we find out that the new movie Lightyear is to have a same-sex kiss scene in it right so this is disney this is pixar
0: they yeah. are telling us <laughs> who they are it just, uh, it is... hold on guys breaking
1: news just forget about this stuff 56 minutes ago disney sets aside 80 acres in florida for low-cost housing what do you guys think about that what's your hot take on that let's talk about some other news right hmm. yeah i mean that makes sense to me
3: Yep. Yeah.
1: (laughs) That's that's my, I can't do a cricket noise. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: Disney's
2: in the middle of a PR cycle going into the fact that their rights are about to lapse again on all of their uh, Mickey Mouse and everything that should be public Mm -hmm. domain by now.
3: Mm
0: -hmm. They get special passes for. That that whole story is fascinating. Read about Sonny Bono laws and the number of times that powerful people have gotten things to not go into the public domain so that they can continue to profit off of them i yep. mean disney and his heirs are long dead at this point.
2: point billions of dollars tied up in extending copyright that should have been uh, on properties that should be in the public domain by mm-hmm. now by all
1: i don't know rights. why we're talking about this when when i type in disney news what comes up is i can save big on disney cruises i want to learn about that what why don't we cover the real stories that are important? The Disney wants—I I just us, don't know—wants us to
0: read. <laughs> Let's try to turn this into a <laughs> this weekend, <in> 1984 <laughs> episode.
2: So, anyhow, that's what's going on with Disney. Everybody's trying. The whole conservative world's trying. World's trying to. Cancel Disney or acting like we're trying to cancel Disney. The Daily Wire. We're putting
0: 180 billion dollars <laughs> into children's entertainment. Why would you give your <laughs> money to people who hate your kids?
2: <laughs> they're um, groomers.
0: Yeah, why would you? Give Which your they money? are. Which they are.
2: They are absolutely groomers. This is not new. This has never been new. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's interesting is that they're elite. We're at least in a in a little bubble mm-hmm. or a, a little point in time, I and mean, we we may revert. Disney's super powerful. They got a lot of money. They're really good at PR and they're really good at pumping out material that we want to give to our kids. And but right now we're in a little a little pocket, mm-hmm. a little bubble where it seems like at least the conservative world is woke to what Disney is and what Disney's doing. And it's become mainstream acceptable to just hate Disney's guts because they're and to acknowledge that they're just a bunch of groomy pedophiles who want to Groom your children and who shape their stories and their movies and their narratives in that direction with real intentionality.
0: Yeah, I guess I should say the reason I was being mocking about the Daily Wire is not because I don't think that conservatives and Christians should create good content, although that is a complex issue that we could talk about, but this the whole idea of, oh no, Disney's turned against us. <laughs> we must raise the battle flag. It's like, if you didn't see this 20 years ago, then I, 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 just, I just, ah, you know, I have some sympathy for simple Christians who just don't follow entertainment news and all they know about Disney is it's the VHSs that they grew up with or something.
2: Anyhow. Like, come on. Enter the Gospel Coalition. Yes. That premiere Into the fray. That premier bastion of reformed, conservative, Christian cultural commentary to discuss- the movie Encanto, which is worth discussing because it has a lot of weird and wild stuff in it. You know, you have people who get these superpowers, but there's this one woman who gets the superpower and she like gets all buff and stuff and it's weird and there's a bunch of weirdness. Mm. I don't know. Some parents aren't comfortable with it. so
0: Let me just say at the top, I like Encanto. The soundtrack, obviously, absolute fire. Best thing that that guy's done since Hamilton. I thoroughly... Enjoy Encanto. I think the progressive stuff is lame. I think the sister plot is unfortunate and sinful and stupid. But it's it's a very colorful, pretty Disney property movie that with a great soundtrack. So, hmm. just thought it would be worth throwing out. As I think the only person who's actually seen Encanto in this room.
2: Haven't seen it. Mm-hmm.
0: I, haven't seen it. I, I think you guys would probably enjoy, enjoy Encanto. It. If you could get over the resentment of The annoying cultural cachet that it's had.
2: It's the only reason that I haven't seen it or shown it to my kids. And I actually feel bad about it because by denying it to them, I'm creating a mystique about it that it doesn't deserve.
0: Yeah, I'm glad I watched it. I I, I watched it on Christmas Day. It it, It came out that day. We just wanted something to turn on in the background for the kids. That's exactly what we did. Some of the adults ended up just keying in and watching it. And it was fine. And it was fun. And it had a lot of stupid progressive stuff. But very easy to discern, you know, and whatever. It was, it was a,
3: mm-hmm. it was
0: like Frozen 2 or something. Like it was, it was fine, except, except for it had a way better soundtrack than Frozen 2. <laughs> it had an awesome soundtrack. So, and I'm always happy when I hear those songs come on, which is 40,000 times a day. So,
2: you just listen to the Encanto soundtrack over and over.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's all I have playing. But that being said, this gospel. Coalition article, we need to talk about Bruno. Now, you may know from the movie, <laughs> we don't talk about Bruno. That's, that's, that's like the whole thing. But this article, we need to talk about Bruno. And then the little sub thing, Disney's Encanto points to the Savior. Oh, my gosh. Can I just say, before we get into this, this might be the most of all the Gospel Coalition articles that we've ever talked to talked about, this one might be the most, Period. This one might it's just, just the ma- most. This <laughs> is the most. This is the. Remember back when we coined the phrase popper tunism? You take anything yeah, yeah. from pop culture and you make it into a Jesus thing. This is the most of that. I mean, I guess Christian Grey being yeah. a, an adversary oh, to man. Christian Love.
2: <laughs> that was <laughs> that was pretty amazing. And that lady even right, wrote a book. But, but, but that was that was like ten years too late on that series. Yeah, so it wasn't quite the
0: same. Well, and this is also a couple, of months, a couple of months after months the crest late. of
2: yeah this this literally came out on march 31st so we waited a good three or four months
0: right and to be fair Encanto took a few months to hit the zeitgeist but this article is still at least a month or two late if it wanted to hit the crest of when these things were happening so uh, i guess i could just take us through this article real quick do it so, this lady talks about her name is, no, sorry. I just his assumed. His name
2: is Ryan McDonald. You know, I think I was being nice. And, and assuming he it was a lady. deserves to have his name. Yes. He wants it. He's got, he is the pastor at Southlands Church and the regional director for foster the city in Southern California. And that's a thing that we should just know about mm-hmm. this guy.
0: Student at Western he Seminary. he wants us to know. He and his wife live in Brea, California with their children. I also and think this is his funny.
2: only article at the Gospel Coalition.
0: Okay, so he starts with a very, as any Gospel Coalition article must, he starts with a very relatable everyday premise, which is, every day I hear my four-year-old daughter telling Google to play Encanto. So they're like, yeah, I bet a bunch of people uh, relate to that. And yes, they are correct about that. And then he throws out some stats about, we don't talk about Bruno's got so many streams. Standard and it's,
2: formula. This is important in case you didn't know. It's a big deal in case you didn't know.
0: Explains the premise of the movie, which I guess I'll just read for anyone who actually doesn't know. The mysterious estranged Uncle Bruno proves to be the focal point of Encanto's plot, which follows a magical family, the madrigals in a hidden Colombian place called Encanto. Okay, no, I won't. I'm too bored by it. All right. So, as I watched the movie, I couldn't help but notice parallels between Bruno, the rejected Truth telling prophet and Jesus Christ. I doubt any of these parallels were intended by Disney, and it's usually wise to avoid reading into movie characters more Christ figure than there is. But to riff on Sally Lloyd Jones, Encanto is a movie that whispers Jesus' name. Here's what I mean. Now, Encanto, uh, Bruno, let me just say for those of you who haven't seen the movie, which is the two of you. Bruno is a comical figure. He's set up to be this villain, but he's actually just a sympathetic, rejected family member whose his prophecies got him in trouble because he accurately told people things that they didn't want to know about themselves. But he's kind of the sad, broken, lonely figure when we meet him. And he's funny. He's a funny Disney character, a pretty successful comic creation. But he's portrayed in this song as like the villain. You think he's going to be the villain of the piece. That's the whole juke that the plot's doing. So Number one, these are the ways that he is like Jesus. Number one, the prophet is rejected and silenced for truth telling. Like Jesus, Bruno is a prophet without honor in his hometown. The well meaning uncle speaks truth to those he loves in order to prepare them for what's to come. Yet instead of receiving the warning, those who hear his words only blame Bruno for bringing disaster. This is truth. <laughs> Like Bruno, the truth-telling prophet Jesus is, only reject- is also rejected by his own followers, even Peter. <laughs> Number two, the rejected and silenced prophet is actually the one holding the family together. Isn't it nice that Jesus holds the Christian family together? Isn't that just the best way of expressing what he does? The Madrigal family thought Bruno had run away, yet in Maribel's quest for truth, she discovers he's actually living in the walls of their family home. Not only that, he's also holding the fam- family together, even though he's been Sean de Bruno, the rejected son, the one interceding on behalf of the very family Dude. that betrayed him. And then this, this has this has an exclamation point! What a picture of Christ, while on the cross! <laughs> no, <laughs> he yelled it. I mean I just feel blasphemous reading this, but I must. You're not the one committing the blasphemy yeah. here. You're just reporting. I'm just reporting it. it. Um. Okay, and then we have a D.A. Carson quote. Bruno, too, grieves that his family doesn't know what they're doing. This is
2: not the, a D.A. Carson quote. I'm <laughs> no, so, so sorry. sorry, sorry. <laughs> I just he, wanted to, he just quotes yeah. D.A. Carson.
0: Yeah. The beauty of Christ's selfless love for his family. isn't. So he, he quotes actually Christ saying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And then he says, Bruno, too, too, grieves that his family doesn't know what they're doing, but he loves them anyway and readily forgives them. And number three, the family is healed only when they receive the once-rejected prophet. Encanto's resolution comes when Bruno is embraced and received back into the family. ba da 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 In a similar way, followers of Jesus are called to believe and receive the miracle of the person of Christ. Ba-ba-da-ba-da. Bruno is by no means a perfect picture <laughs> of Jesus. There are oh, places throughout the man. film where the Christological resonance breaks down. Still, in presenting Bruno, Bruno as a once-rejected, truth-telling prophet, who when received by faith brings healing and holiness and Kanto offers a shadow of our true savior.
1: Received by faith. Did he just write that?
0: Yes, he did. It's a gift when popular movies offer fodder like this for theological reflection. (laughs) I like to picture this guy like smoking his pipe sitting on on a hill like (laughs) just reflecting. (laughs) It's it's, it's a gift when popular movies offer fodder like this for theological reflection and gospel connections, especially with young viewers. (laughs) So, even if your kids sing, as my daughter does, we don't talk about Bruno. Perhaps we should respond with, we need to talk about Bruno <laughs> and see where the conversation goes. Now for long-time listeners, if you remember the early days when we were just ad-libbing Popcorn Coalition skets. <laughs> skets? Yeah. Skets. skets. That's skets. what that's <laughs> word. This Ben had a, a certain kind of thing that he would always ad-lib, and, and it is exactly... In this, so that's
1: right. Yeah,
0: just the whole. Even if your kids sing, we should, we don't talk about Bruno. Perhaps we should have to, We need to talk about Bruno. We yeah.
1: need to talk about Bruno, friends.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it just writes itself. It really so, does. Th- so this, the Christian Grey <laughs> article is neck and neck, but I think this might be the the most lapsed into self parody that they are because it's just. So lame. I mean, the the Christ-like gaze of Terrence Malick is comparatively a masterpiece of film criticism and theological reflection compared to Bruno as a Christ figure. It's just the lamest Jesus juke that the Gospel Coalition could possibly d- do.
2: And, and they're doing it right at the time when Disney is showing its hand most clearly and everybody is accepting the fact, finally... It, it, Looking around and saying, "Hey, these guys aren't nice, and they don't have our kids' best interests at heart." When the whole world is in, 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 in the the liberal progressive world is is really reaching and stretching to defend Disney. Mm-hmm. The slander. Let's talk about that slanderous word "groomer." Now, right?
0: Why do these QAnon people have to see sex and everything? <laughs> people who have grooming is a
2: real thing, and people who have actually been groomed. Are really hurt and offended by applying this word
0: to the grooming that the grooming we that do. Disney
2: is doing because it's emotional and mental grooming, but some people have been groomed physically by actual literal pedophiles who aren't literally pedophiles in the way that the literal pedophiles at Disney are. But it's just like this is the kind of bending over backwards. You can actually read people having these arguments right now, trying to defend Disney. Mm-hmm. Or the way they are coming after your kids to indoctrinate them in their trans LGBTQ ideology, right? Right. And and it's like, like, like I said earlier, in the midst of all of this, Disney lets us know, or Pixar lets us know that there's going to be a gay kiss mm-hmm. in the new Lightyear movie. Okay, so now here it is, Lightyear, which looked to be a really cool, fun movie, cool premise cool idea building on a cool property in a really unique and original creative way with a good cast and it just looks fun mm. and now they've let us know that they're going to put a gay kiss in it right this is just what disney is and what disney's
0: doing and it wasn't the week that they did that it was within 24 hours that the gospel coalition was like here's our article on bruno as mm. as someone who has Christological resonance it's Pathetic,
2: and I don't know what else there is to say about that except that, I mean, if you were to just like, who is who is working for Team Disney here? Who is who is building the narrative that Disney is great and mm-hmm. Disney's safe and Disney's fine? Disney's okay for your kids, and we don't need any discernment when we come to Disney. Mm-hmm. You've got over here the literal trans ideologists on one side. You have. Everybody else on the other side, and where does the gospel coalition line up in this in this uh, cultural battle that is engaging the world, America right now?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Discernment. I mean, they want you to discern Jesus. Is... In everything
2: Disney does. That's right. Everything yeah. Disney does yeah. has Jesus all over it. It doesn't matter if it's turning red, and it doesn't matter if it's in Kanto. And there was a punchline that went without saying.
3: It went without saying.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, it did.
0: So I had the pleasure of giving a film lecture for the alumni of Houston Baptist University, uh, basically about Christian film criticism and discernment and these sorts of things. Not too long ago, really fun, really great opportunity, and a lot of interesting questions and dialogue with the people there. Somebody, I actually made a reference at some point in my talk to this stupid article, and so somebody asked me, like, okay how do you find christ in things or what's the difference between because obviously there is as our good friends at the gospel coalition say christological words month in lots of movies Mm -hmm. so what's the difference between doing it well and doing it badly i guess i have my answer because i know what i said but what do you guys want to address that well
2: the first thing that i would do is i would start talking about carl Jung mm-hmm. and joseph campbell and the hero's journey and the fact that what these movies all do and what all these writers do conscientiously is they take a redemptive arc because they know it has resonance and they strip it of christ on purpose mm-hmm. and then they put it out there because uh, as a substitute gospel and so, Christians who look into these things and say, well, I see a redemptive ark, and so it points me to Jesus, they're, they're a mile behind what's actually going on in any text like that. Right. So, it's like they know exactly what they're doing. They've always known what they're doing. There's a whole book called The Hero with a Thousand Faces mm-hmm. written by Joseph Campbell built on the narrative typology of Carl Jung trying to identify the key beats the fundamentals, building blocks of any hero's journey mm-hmm. that allows you to tell the story a thousand times and put a thousand different faces on that one hero. And it's built largely on the gospel story.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I would go farther than that and say, even before Carl Jung existed, the reason Carl Jung was able to pull these things out is because Christ is the creator and founder of the universe. The gospel story is the most important story. And so most stories tend to hit those beats. Well, because they're imitating Whether you're designing they're, them they're that way or not.
2: The real true story of the world as God wrote it.
0: Right. It's actually hard to write a story that doesn't have quote unquote Christological resonance. Yeah, resume. I <laughs> guess the
2: only reason I want to go to Carl Jung there and not to the bigger picture uh, reality that, well, this is just the story God told and is telling. And so it is the one story is because of how cynical all the people who are telling today's stories are about it and how shallow that read is comparatively.
0: It's, 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 it's incredibly shallow. I mean, the, the other thing I would say, and the other thing I did say about an article like this is these points of comparison that they act like have so much significance are not points of comparison that we would actually use oftentimes. Like to take the example of Bruno as a Christ figure there's actually not enough about Bruno for him to be an actual good type. There's not enough points of illuminating comparison for him to meaningfully evince anything that's Christ-like. I mean, for example, I could say Ben is a type of Christ because he's podcasting. And so, he's imparting knowledge. And so, he's a teacher. And Christ's a great teacher. And so, Ben is a type of Christ. I I suppose I could say that. But I could also say the same thing of Hitler, Hitler got up. I mean, to use the most hack internet example, Hitler got up and he addressed people and he imparted wisdom.
2: He appealed to the masses. He he appealed to the poor and the needy of Germany who were downtrodden and felt abused and oppressed. Right. And he did so in the face of the Jewish opposition. Let's be honest. Guys. Well, yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> so why don't we say that, Chris, that, why would no one ever be tempted to say that Hitler has Christological significance? Because while there are a few points that where the comparison is apt, there are also a number of points <laughs> where the comparison deviates. And if there are enough of those points at a certain, be- at, at a certain juncture in time, it becomes not an illuminating comparison. <laughs> to say that Gandalf is a type of Christ or has Christological significance, uh, resonance, everybody kind of understands what that means. He's a good guy. He's ushering our heroes on their journey. He falls into a pit. He comes back as something even more special. Like, every everybody kind of could mm-hmm. understand that. To say that Bruno is a type of Christ, nobody, no average person gets any window into who Christ is from Bruno because there's not actually enough things that track.
1: As- and, and look... The fact is you could actually do what he says and I bet he's done it with his kids. You could you could have you could have this, that conversation. Honey, we need to talk about Bruno. Right. you could tell your little girl all the ways Four that year Bruno old. your 4-year-old no. all the ways that Bruno is like Christ. Now, how helpful is that going to be to your 4-year-old? Now she just has um, a picture of Bruno in her head every time she um, thinks about Jesus. Yeah. Bad bad job. You you're right. It was sticky enough that you could make your
0: 4-year-old remember it, I bet. And it's not. But going it hasn't to help did, her. It, it's like if you were trying, the thing I actually said in the talk was yeah. if you were trying to give people a picture of me and you said, well, he's like a watermelon because he's fat. Watermelons <laughs> are round. Nathan's round. So if you've given an illuminating picture of who I am, do they now know something about me because they can picture a watermelon? No, because there's way too many other ways that I deviate from a freaking watermelon. And that's, that's all that the gospel... <laughs> Are there colon- <laughs> Shut up, Ben. <laughs> and that's, that's really the kind of tenuous connections that something like this is doing. Bruno, anyone who actually understands typology on a theological side, anyone who's an academic who understands the study of semiotics, signs, signification, stuff like that, anyone who looks for symbols does not see... Bruno and Jesus because there's not enough there. Just like you don't see watermelon and Nathan because there's not enough there. You have to really stretch and do gymnastics to make watermelon and Nathan work. And you have to do gymnastics. And what the Gospel Coalition seems to believe is because we can do gymnastics with anything, let's we should. should. And that's stupid and reductive, and I think blasphemous. I think it devalues people's understanding of Jesus suddenly being able to compare Jesus to Bruno actually makes well, you understand Jesus less because you're suddenly confused by all the ways that Bruno deviates from Jesus which are multitudinous
2: and so you're not only confusing people about Jesus you're also you're also completely inhibiting their ability to read what's obvious culturally mm-hmm. right or in movies or in anything whatsoever you're teaching them to make the most spurious connections to Jesus, you're muddling who Jesus is, you're messing it all up, and you're teaching people not to read the most obvious things that are actually in front of them right. in the first place. So it's just actively anti-discernment in every possible way. We're messing up and muddling the picture of Jesus, and we're messing up and muddling everything about this about a movie or about a book or about whatever it is that we're trying to read. We we are engaged in a conspiracy to keep you blind to being able to read Jesus and, and to read the culture. Yeah. Because and Bruno – it's just actively – at this point, it's just actively evil.
0: Right. Bruno's an immaculated little comic relief character. He does not read as a savior in the movie, having seen the movie. He doesn't read as, as anything like that. And so, you're just confusing. Well, once again, if you say Gandalf is kind of filling a Jesus I, – I don't really love that kind of thing either. But just as a comparison point – Gandalf is powerful. He's imbued with great mm-hmm. power. He comes to save the day on any number of occasions, turns catastrophe into you catastrophe. He provides a little picture of the kinds of things that we know Jesus does. And so saying like when he rides up at Helm's Deep and saves the day and, and all the white horses come charging down and we all cry, there's a little – the-
2: on the dawn of the third day on
0: the dawn of the third day as the hordes of demonic enemy are about to take out our heroes and then gandalf shows up and we all get chills as they ride down like you don't have to do a bunch of math to see why there's christological Mm -hmm. resonance there but Mm -hmm. and if you see the christological resonance to continue using their dumb phrase you maybe have gained a little something but as Jake's saying, if you see the quote-unquote Christological resonance with Bruno, you've actually lost something. You've actually, it's actually devalued your idea of who Jesus is and confused it and muddled it. Because you're actually trying to, like, especially if you
2: it's f- And it's nowhere more obvious than as Ben was saying, when you do what he says to do, which is try to communicate it to your four-year-old kid. It, suddenly it becomes obvious what you're actually doing. You're now giving a picture of Jesus and this Jesus that you're at you're teaching your four-year-old to picture is a Pixar comedic relief character.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: It's actively destructive.
0: Yeah, I mean that's why I actually like as silly as it is, I actually like my watermelon analogy because I think it's I think it tracks. Like if if if, if you taught your four year old to think of me as watermelon man, they would have a very inaccurate, destructive version of who I am. But they would understand that watermelons are round and Nathan's round. So I, I guess the connection's been made. They understand an aspect of my Nathanological <laughs> resonance, but no, they don't. They don't understand me. So, okay. let us never talk about Bruno. <laughs> <laughs> we don't we talk need about to talk Bruno. about Bruno.
2: <laughs> we don't talk
0: about. We don't it. talk about Bruno. No, no we do no. talk about the Gospel Coalition, though.
1: We need to talk about the Gospel Coalition.
0: Well, as we did, as we've often said, people seem to feel such a. It's like, that. that's why I wanted to say up front that I kind of like the movie and I love the soundtrack because people feel so bound up about liking some of this stuff. I, I think what the Gospel Coalition actually exists to do is to ease people's consciences because they hear whispers or they see the articles about Disney being a woke, broke corporation and they're like, oh boy, now I feel bad. I wanted to buy my daughter the little shirt with Belle on it, but now I feel guilty about it. And then the gospel coalition's like, let us wave our magic wand and make it all go away. It's actually, You it can baptize anything here. Right. It has Christological resonance. And, and then you can just kind of forget about it and feel good about it. And it's like, no, you know, you should have to wrestle with it. You should have to wrestle with who you're giving your money to. I've not canceled Disney Plus. I, I probably won't. I probably will buy my daughter a, a, a Bell onesie. I don't, you gotta make your own decisions about that. But, if you've not it's been a,
2: wrestling with this stuff before now, then you've not been paying attention. And so, that's that's the other part of this. It's like, well, the Gospel Coalition needed to write that article because people feel bad about watching Disney and they don't want to feel bad. And they're there to tickle people's ears. Right. To scratch your ears and tickle their whatever, the scratch their itchy What is it?
1: <laughs> why is my, why I, is my brain? I, I, now, I'm confused. I mean, I know. Yeah, it's, it's now it's that you've that. given us the bad
0: version, <laughs> it's, it's hard, hard to reclaim. I clean. broke it. People will seek scratchy, itching ears. Yeah, right? itch, scratching ears. No. I don't Scratch, know.
2: It doesn't matter. Ears. We know what we're talking about, <laughs> guys. <laughs> it's what they exist to do is, is is to give the people what they want, and that makes them the enemies of actual, real discernment. And you don't have to necessarily with any given movie be, oh man, it's all bad, it's all evil, it's all Disney, therefore it's all evil.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: If you it, this is the way that we want to approach everything when it comes to discernment because we don't want to have faith. We just want the tension of living by faith resolved for us, the tension of exercising discernment resolved. If it can all be about Jesus, then it's all okay. And if we can do the gymnastics and make it all about Jesus, then yay, we get to in, in canto. And if we can't, and Disney's a bunch of groomers, then everything is bad and we can't have Disney and we can't have Belle and we can't have, you know, Sleeping Beauty and we can't have any number of other things out there. And so, oh man, I don't want to lose all those all those things. So, I need to learn how to baptize everything. Mm-hmm. And that's just the way that we all tend to think. We all want the easy answers generally. And the Gospel Coalition, as the modern day enemy of discernment, jumps right into the mix to show us how exactly to baptize everything. Mm-hmm. And the fact is, you're just not allowed to do that as a Christian. You're not allowed to come to movies and watch them. As a Christian with your brain shut off and a box ticked, yes, good, no, bad. That's not how we do things.
0: Yeah. I mean, it is so pharisaical, like classically pharisaical. Like, let me mediate the tension that you feel about God and his law by sprinkling a little pixie dust, giving you some extra laws and things over here, and you just do what I say, and then you don't have to think.
2: Yeah. And and there there are really good critiques. Or ways to be to critique a movie like Encanto and say and come to a decision and say, I just don't want to show that to my kids because I don't like the narrative building blocks and the way that it it deals with the sexuality of the sister.
0: Yeah, that that, that alone is enough to not watch the movie.
2: That That's a perfectly justifiable reason to not show it to any of your kids. Somebody, I don't remember who I saw on Twitter, it was like the first time I ever saw a Christian have any kind of real discernment about a movie and pop culture and Mm -hmm. so I noted it and I dropped it in our Slack channel Mm -hmm. and we could probably find it and tell you who he is. I don't know if he's good anywhere else but on this he was good and he was talking about how just, hey, they turned her into a man Mm when she got her power. Her power turned her into a man. It, It actually turned her into a man for a reason. They wanted her to look like a man for a reason. All of it was meant to acclimate you to the idea that women can be men and men can be women, and it can just be transitional, right? Right? It's trans, and they broke. And people are arguing. Well, it's a magical family with magical powers, and so he says yes. And they broke the rules of their their own universe in order to make her look like a man, because the person who has super sight doesn't get super big eyes. And the person who has it, they had a couple mm-hmm. other examples I haven't seen in the movie, right. so I don't, I don't know what they are. Mm-hmm. But the one person who gets super strength does get super big muscles and reshaped in every way to look like a man. That's on purpose, right? So, there are all kinds of ways to, and you should be able to see that when you come to a movie, you should be able to talk about it, you should be able to engage it, and then you should be able to judge, is this something that I'm okay show- showing to my kids and talking about with my kids or not? And that... Should just be the practice that you have coming to every kind of movie that you mm-hmm. watch. Right. Instead, it's Disney bad or yay, Jesus is everywhere. Baptize it, baptize it all. And that's why the Gospel Coalition is so unhelpful because that is all they do. Right.
0: And, b- and by the way, uh, in addition to that, more p- if, you, if you've made a considered decision, Disney bad, and you've canceled your subscription and you're never buying another Bell onesie and blah, 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 the whole deal, more power to you. That's great. That's fine. What we're what we're unhappy with is everyone suddenly reacting like, "Oh no, Disney bad. Whatever do I do? Cancel, cancel, subscribe to conservative alternative." Ah! <laughs> <laughs> no, there's you
2: know. all kinds of reasons to never show your kids anything Disney. That's mm-hmm. fine. Disney, Marvel, all of it. If you want to if you want to burn it, that's great. There are all, all all kinds of things worth protecting your kids from that even the most innocuous of Disney films have.
0: So, what do you do a podcast of it? In some cases, to provide an off-ramp. A, but mostly to provide an on-ramp to actual critical thinking. Exactly.
2: In every case, to teach you how to think about these things. And then you make your decision it's about a, the
0: off-ramp of it all.
2: Yeah. You want to get off, that's fine. But but what we want at every level, because here's here's the other part of the problem. What, what a lot of Christians want to do is... They want to just be like well i don't I just don't watch movies or mm-hmm. I don't watch a lot of movies, but then what that means is the handful of movies they do watch they watch uncritically mm-hmm. the movies they allow, the places where they splurge it's not that they don't watch movies actually it's that they just have the movies that are okay like we were being engaged on this issue once. Recently by somebody saying that they never watch movies. Mm-hmm. How often do they actually watch movies? Well, maybe only once or twice a week. It's just like,
0: well, that's more than I watch movies. Right. If I'm watching a movie once or twice a week, it's for the podcast. It's, or that's so uh-huh. it's like, That's all it's for. Oh, yeah, someone's holding a gun to my head.
2: <laughs> like, I can't remember the last movie I've watched that wasn't for the podcast. Mm-hmm. It's And we watch two a month. Right. And so, I just I can't think off the top of my... And some of that's because of March Madness basketball. So, when we've watched things, it's been basketball. But still, it's just like your idea of I don't watch a lot of movies. Is I watch one movie a week? That's a lot of movies,
0: actually. So mm-hmm. more movies than Martin Luther watched. But, I'll tell you but, that. But, but <laughs>
2: because you tell you oh, be, because you tell yourself you don't watch a lot of movies because you tell yourself that we're not a movie watching family, then that means that that one movie a week that's nothing. Mm-hmm. It's, we just don't we don't have to think about that because we don't watch movies. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you think a family that watches movies. Why, do you think that families are watching movies every night? I don't know what you think. Maybe that's what you grew up with. but
0: Well, just to use the same example I've been using, I have, I have not fully watched any of those Daily Wire movies, but I've watched enough of them and I'm familiar enough with the Daily Wire guys. You'd be an idiot to cancel Disney and then uncritically, undiscerningly watch what they're putting out. I mean, we probably all saw the Jeremy's Razor ad, which was full of. Didn't see. I you. have no idea what that is. So Jeremy's Razor was Daily Daily Wire. Harry's Razor canceled their advertising with Daily Wire because oh. because of some. So Jeremy Boring, the CEO, uh, has now created Jeremy's Razor, which is just a his own razor company, and it's like called the tagline is a razor company that doesn't hate you or something like that. And he did, you know how they do, people like to do these funny long form ads where a dopey guy's walking around and in the background things are set on mm-hmm. fire and yep. stuff. It was in that style. So he's like finally a razor that doesn't, that, that's like actually for men and doesn't get into politics. But the whole ad is he's flanked by these two models with tons of cleavage, like really immodest outfits. It's like a manly, he's, he's a manly man. And, but he drives up in a Camaro, and then he has like models helping him out, and it, it's like his idea of manhood is like James Bond circa 1965 or something like that. Yes. It's it's really gross, and it's really undiscerning, and the, their conservative audience is just gobbling it up. And it's like these guys; these guys aren't retaking the culture. Yeah, a they're trying to retake the culture from 50 years ago, which is a dumb plan. B. They don't actually have the moral sense to do it. See, the whole idea of meeting fire with fire on this kind of stuff is flawed, I think. Yep. But maybe that's another podcast. <laughs> maybe everything is another podcast. We've gone for a long time on Encanto right yeah, let's now. let's just keep
2: going. Yeah, what else? Who cares? What else you got? <laughs> just something that you might not be aware of unless you pay close attention to conservative media because this has been very quiet except for the places where there's been some outrage oklahoma quietly passed a law to make abortion illegal i saw that um crazy the governor has to sign it into law it won't go into immediate effect by the way that it is framed it'll have to be litigated in the courts but as early as this summer it could be that abortion in every form is illegal in oklahoma so mm-hmm. yeah
0: that's just worth knowing meanwhile colorado same same news cycle signed a law legalizing all forms of abortion up through nine months one of the most far-reaching and wicked versions of such a law on the books books. wow it's
1: evil i didn't see that that's why we do this Mm -hmm. there were there were the remains of five babies found in dc i want to say and there's yeah they're trying to get they're trying to get lawmakers to look in... Not lawmakers. They're trying to get law enforcement officers and the police and the stuff to look into it because they were well-developed enough. It's possible it was simply infanticide. Simply, these were born babies and mm-hmm. then they were dismembered, etc. But nobody wants to look into it. No one wants to look into it. It's You can find videos if you go looking for that and you might be sorry if you do that, but you can find them. Yep. Don't recommend it, but yeah.
2: What else? <sighs> Did you see the... Madonna video that everybody was talking about for half a minute. I didn't hear
1: anyone talking about it at all for even half a
0: second. It's a
2: little TikTok video of her face that's all Botoxed and lip injected up and stuff like that. And the only thing uh, worth talking about is she's 63 years old and she spent her whole life chasing sex appeal Mm -hmm. as power and value and worth and that's all that she's left with and she doesn't have any. And it's really sad. And it seems like every generation has this. So every generation has to rediscover it. Mm -hmm. You know, they're aging pop stars, whether it's like, hey, Mick Jagger's actually pretty gross now. I guess he was always gross, but now Mm -hmm. he's really gross. You know, or whatever it is, everybody has to rediscover it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Madonna's an interesting case in that whole thing. Because to me, even in her heyday, she feels like somebody who felt ugly. Like if you actually just look at her face, she's not what you would think of as classically beautiful. It's a little bit like Lady Gaga or something like that. Somebody somebody who spends their whole life kind of cosplaying a certain kind of thing because they can't quite have it or aren't quite. For, For someone who's such an icon of 80s sexuality, the icon of 80s sexuality, the Marilyn Monroe of her generation, Madonna has never felt at all comfortable with her own sexuality to me. So... I mean, even when she does, the movies that we remember her from or things like Dick Tracy, where she's dressed up yeah. like Marilyn Monroe, just kind of doing a weird thing. Like, she's she's just a sad, broken person. Mm. Yeah. Don't be a material girl, listener. It's not, it won't lead to good things.
2: Yeah, he's been uh, super excited about Elon Musk these days.
0: No. I'm glad he bought 10% of Twitter or whatever.
2: No. You didn't know that, Ben? No, I didn't. I've been in a hole. So, Elon bought 10% of Twitter? And what that means is he now has the largest stake in Twitter of anybody. He has like five times more than Jack Dorsey, its founder.
0: Jack Dorsey has like 2.5% or something like that? Yeah.
2: Wow. And he has just shy of, of 10%.
0: Billions of dollars acquisition, by the way.
2: Yeah, which amounted to l- like less than 1% of his net worth. So, for for you and me, it'd be like going out and buying a MacBook or something like that, <laughs> <laughs> you know, <but> <laughs> if, nice. it, if that, maybe an iPad. Oh, man, mm-hmm. that's amazing. Yeah, but but he now, which doesn't make him a, a majority stakeholder, but then he joined the board of directors, which actually caps his ability to to own percentage uh, much higher. I think 15% or something like that is mm-hmm. is the rule for, for a board member. So he can't actually have a hostile takeover of Twitter yeah. okay. although he can't have a unilateral takeover he he has enough ownership and enough influence that he can organize any number of shareholders oh yeah behind him to do to get done what he wants done so I think probably tw- Twitter's board thought it was in their best interest to pull him on the board mm-hmm. wow but hopefully hopefully this is a step in the direction of free Twitter free Twitter that'd that would
1: be great that'd be amazing
0: be really cool! Wow, if it's, we actually had a public square that was like a public square where it, different voices could engage,
2: it'd be amazing, right? Uh, this is like the best possible kind of activist investment that there you could imagine. I think because Elon Musk is concerned about Mars and concerned about the future of humanity and electric cars and things like that. I think. In terms of investing resources, that's where uh-huh. that money's going to go. This is a this is a social investment.
3: Right. Mm-hmm.
2: So yeah, I just think that's cool and worth mentioning. And oh yeah, not that I have some kind of special take on it, but
0: no, it's cool. Yeah, hmm. I, I guess I don't have a special take on it either, but it gives me hope.
2: Yeah, my dad's Starlink order went through, so he's going to be on Musk's network. How much does that cost? I think it ends up being close to a hundred dollars a month. Okay. So they live out, they live out in the country and don't have uh, service. They've never had internet out there huh. apart from like DSL or something like that. Hmm. And so he really wanted to get to move in the direction of high speed internet if possible. And had been badgering local companies to run cable out that way. So I turned him on to Starlink and he signed up and got on the wait list and ships and will be on in the next couple of weeks. There you go. Awesome. Yeah, Kind of fun. Yeah, that is fun. Is reading about anything else, finding anything else out there that's exciting or interesting. Or I just in wanted way. to
0: talk about Bruno today. I think that was my...
2: That's the main thing I wanted to talk about yeah. too. I, I just had a couple other little notes that I thought might spark an interesting conversation or
0: not. Hey, they're worth noting even if, they, even if they don't
2: spark. If we didn't have, if we had more gas in the tank, if we didn't spend as much time talking about Bruno, we might have more to say about Elon, but yeah, I don't know that
0: we did talk about Bruno. I, I mean,
1: I, I'll just mention this one thread that I put in our Slack recently. It's this it's this atheist, leftist, Californian lady. Yes. That was interesting. And oh, I've seen stuff like that. Yeah. Been, I've heard stuff like that for a while. Yeah, this kind of thing is around. This is maybe not groundbreaking, but it's always I don't know, I'm I I guess I haven't yet been acclimated to seeing it because I haven't seen it that often. But it's mm. it's this lady. Who's like J.K. Rowling? Mm -hmm. She's not. She's not actually anti-trans. That's not fair to say. But she's she's going off on trans ideology coming in coming into to situations where kids feel feel uh, like they want to be a boy instead of a girl or a girl instead of a boy and saying that's bad. Don't let that happen. Let the kids process this naturally. Usually it goes away. Otherwise you're going to trap them into a terrible situation where their bodies are mutilated and they they'll never escape all the emotional and physical damage that that caused. I I don't know. Just, again, someone saying basic things about sexuality (laughs) to an extent.
2: I was listening to uh, the other, not long ago, to somebody who actually had transitioned talking about how all the psych evaluations they had to do, all of the... It's like a multi-year process of screening and psych evaluations and... Just different kinds of interviews and and things where in the time period they had to live had to live as the opposite sex before they could ever be permitted any kind of hormonal or surgical and so it ended up being a multi year process and how that was designed for their mental health and safety, which is a load of junk in and of itself mm-hmm. of course, but there was a there was at least some kind of like process. Let's that make was sure you don't
0: have buyer's remorse. Exactly.
2: And you're That's not going right. to sue us. Whatever it was, there were all kinds of inhibitions and all kinds of things, roadblocks thrown up. Just talking about how... Well, and then talking about how, how radical those hormones hit them mm-hmm. as they started to go through the process and about how destabilizing it was and <sighs> how they needed all the psychological help they could get to get through it all and how you don't even need like insurance will just provide it and on a dime with no que- not even a questionnaire you have to fill out now and how how if they had done the same thing, if they had done the same thing that it would have wrecked them mm-hmm. Yeah, know, they wouldn't have made it through and they might be dead now. They just, they just can't fathom how irresponsible it feels and it's of course, it's all irresponsible, it's all evil, it's all wicked but to hear somebody who has gone through the process talk about it was fascinating in and of itself
0: well and then what the definitely what ben's pagan would say is even if you think that that's fine for the adult like the fact that we're blithely pushing children in this direction the teachers think that they're empowering children when they hide these things from their parents right it's it's just nonsense because even if you believe in this stuff like it needs oversight
2: what what all of this should make everybody do is believe in the demonic i mean that's right. The demons, we access, so superior to ancient cultures mm. and their worship of demons. The demons that wanted to kill and destroy and mutilate and... Sacrifice the little
1: kids on the altars and whatever. And,
2: and, and rob them of their innocence yeah. and corrupt them, right? This is just like ancient paganism and that is just what we have devolved into.
0: Well, when you look at what I just said about Colorado... We want you to be able to take a full-term baby, have it partially born, and then dismember it. That is a basic, f- right, fundamental to your existence and your freedom. I just don't – there's there's just, there's just no other word than demonic for that. It's, where, it's hard to wrap your head around. Yeah,
1: where did I just see something – maybe it was the Colorado law, but I don't think so for some reason where – it's a, it's a liberal state like that fighting for a parent's right to leave their kids to die after birth
0: yeah it, it I, was it was something i saw that too like that it, that was an interesting case of it's not like the law says we want parents to be able to leave their kid to die after birth yeah it's an implication of the law right that life org yeah. was drawing yeah. out and i'm i'm not saying that they're wrong exactly i just I wouldn't want to speak on that right this second without a little bit more context. That's it's,
1: Okay, it's a th- California bill. Yeah. Yeah. Extreme pro-abortion bill. Yeah, this is life Life news. Blah, blah, blah. It's blah, wicked blah, blah. and it's a slippery really slope. It's Yeah, it comes from the term perinatal, which is a really vague term that could extend to well after a baby is born as well as before. So, yeah. It just, I don't know. My, my thought was ancient Rome, you had the right as a parent to... Kill your children or leave your babies outside the wall to die and Mm -hmm. it wouldn't be that shocking if uh, one of our laws essentially gave you the same right even after the birth of the baby.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we're not far from that. Yeah. We're basically already there. I mean, we are. Yeah. All right. What else you guys got? If anything.
2: Yes. I wanted to follow up on uh, Run the Mile You're In and... Oh, yeah. And that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, So, you might remember... It's a book I picked up after listening to an interview with Peter Atia on the Drive podcast, which I listen to from time to time. A lot of like what he's into is just dealing with is he has an interview on dealing with type 2 diabetes or preempting it and stuff like that. Things that I have particular interest in with my dad and my grandfather having type 2 diabetes and me being having been pre-diabetic and I think having been able to walk that back. So, was stuff like that, but he occasionally interviews people who have just been on the cutting edge of human performance. So, this guy, Ryan Hall, who's a Christian, is the American record holder in both the marathon and half marathon. And mm-hmm. it was an interesting interview and it was a lot of fun and it seems like it was probably to promote his book, Run the Mile You're In. So, I just got the book and started listening to it and I think I reported last week that it was... Uh, occasionally kind of woo-woo and weird and um mm-hmm, in mm-hmm. places and it but he just gets weirder and worse mm. um <laughs> as it goes. So he's got a whole chapter on uh declarations.
0: Is that, then, is that anything like an affirmation?
2: Yeah, it's just the Christian version of declarations. I declare something in Jesus' name oh, yeah, me, yeah. you know. And and then he v- eventually lets slip that he's been to Bethel's school of witchcraft and wizardry. <laughs> so all right it's not- literally and he may have like if i was a little bit more on top of that world when he talked about his pastor i may have recognized his name as being a bethel pastor but i didn't hmm. but anyhow yeah there's some like and then there are other points in this book that are just like he talks about like the time where he decided to have god as his trainer and he talks about the time where he went into i think it was i'm gonna get certain races and things confused. He went into like the Olympic uh, Olympic marathon on a forty day fast, whoa, or something like that, and crashed. Yeah, and no kidding. It's just like the sp- the super spirituality of this dude just kind of keeps coming through. And it, but then you begin to see it, and it, he he couches it all in the most spiritual terms. But I've been on—I don't know—if you've ever competed in something, you just look at a guy like that, and you're like, dude. You're like one of the greatest marathon runners alive and you went on a 40-day fast going into the Olympics. Do you not understand how bodies work? Mm -hmm. Do you have any respect for your teammates? Do you have any respect for all the other uh, runners that would have killed to have had a shot to compete? You took their spot and then you tanked it on purpose because you had a spiritual reason to? What's wrong with you?
0: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> What's wrong with you? And you just get a lot of that sort of what is wrong with you. Anyhow, I don't recommend that book at all.
0: Okay. Um <laughs> Good to know. So I think last week we were wondering whether maybe his authors or his his ghostwriter didn't maybe gussy it up in the wrong direction. I don't or think so. so I think he's just that insane. He's just that insane. Okay. Yeah.
2: And maybe you have to be a little insane to be a professional marathon runner in the first place, but
0: yeah. Eesh. Yeah. There's insanity that we can learn from and insanity that just makes for a lame, unhelpful book. Yeah.
2: <laughs> we talked about, hey, uh, on the bookening, we talked about, or R E the bookening? We talked about finishing up reading a Farewell to Arms, mm-hmm. just sort of talking about Ukraine and stuff like that. Yeah. I finished it. Yep. That was pretty
0: interesting. Yep. We'll, we'll talk about that on the bookening. We'll talk about it.
2: But I started Moby Dick, and that's what I think is exciting. I think people should read that book along with us. Yeah, awesome.
0: it's actually a good book. Uh, awesome. Surprisingly, even the parts that feel like, surprisingly, oh, man. The, surprisingly, the great American the novels. The great American great. novels. Yeah. No, but I mean, come on. That's a book that people respect more than they love. At least they think if they haven't read it, that's what they expect to do. Or that's maybe right. Maybe I should just speak for myself. That's I wasn't what I expected about Moby to. Dick. I was
2: not excited. I I would have read it before now if I trusted its place in the in the canon but i've mm-hmm. mistrusted it but i'm really enjoying it there's even at the at the beginning of the book there's this little section of extracts how would you describe that it's just it's just extracts from all kinds of mm-hmm. poems and songs and ancient literature and things like that talking about whales and
0: yeah it's awesome uh it actually reminds me of something that stephen king does which i think he probably got from moby dick because he was a literature professor but Oftentimes in his books, he'll start with a bunch of like, like if, he, if the story is about UFOs, he'll start with a bunch of extracts on UFOs. Or if it's a vampire book, it'll be like ancient Greece, and it'll and it, it's it's really effective. Like it really gets you juiced up for the story because you're like, oh, all this primal stuff, you know. The this lore. Is, the this lore, is this is part lore, of the, the legacy lore. of. Yeah. It, it it's it's really fun.
2: And man, he does such a good job in the extracts that he pulls and who knows if he even made any of them up. It doesn't matter, but
0: I mean, he didn't have Google, was, so I wouldn't I'd be surprised if he at least quoted some from memory or, you know, yeah. Coalesced a little bit.
2: Yeah. Somebody somewhere knows Brandon probably knows, but yeah, he'll tell us, he'll he'll run tell the book subscribe, but, um, share, man, I, review. I get so jazzed about re-enchanting, um, uh, myself to the world of monsters. Like mm-hmm. sea monsters is really cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I guess in the early chapters, Ishmael says that every man, whether he realizes it or not, deep down is drawn to the sea. Mm-hmm. And talks about people just sort of, they find their way there, they'll stand and stare at it one way or another. Yeah, he, so,
0: he understands the, the primal forces within us.
2: Yeah, and draws it out in a really cool way. It, may, it sort of, in a fun way, recaptures some of what I feel like I felt reading... Voyage of the Dawn Treader as a kid, which mm-hmm. yeah, you know, maybe a really dopey comparison point. Uh, maybe
0: Voyage of the Dawn Treader captures a little bit of what yeah, Bobby sure. Dick was doing.
2: <laughs> Anyhow, I'm I'm enjoying that book and excited and I hope people read, read along
0: yep. with us. You, to do that, you go to the Bookening, uh, your favorite podcast app, subscribe, you hit the bell button, I guess. It's not YouTube, you don't have to hit the bell button, but you do all the things. You leave a five-star review. Ah, uh, yeah and farewell to arms you'll just have to listen to the bucketing for us to talk about that thing uh, i don't know Yep. all right guys you support this show patreon.com forward slash sound of sanity that's everything so i don't have to tell you why to support this show because of what you just heard we just told you for an hour why to support this show patreon.com forward slash sound of sanity until next time stay sane